I feel phenomenal. How many? To be honest, how many podcasts have you done? I think um, maybe two or three. Not many, not many at all. Wow, what an opportunity! How many have you done? Man. You would have done hello, hello podcast. It depends on how you're counting. Like, how many have I hosted, or how many have I been interviewed on? Both. I've hosted two hundred fifth. No, I'm sorry, two hundred seventy four, maybe. And then I don't know what number I'm at. And then as far as being interviewed, I've been interviewed over 80 times. And that happened all within a year and a half span. That was about 2018 to 2019. And since then, I've probably only gone on maybe three, right? I go on like one per year at this point. This year it was Stick Talk uh, and that'll be coming out soon. And I probably can guarantee you I won't go on another one this year. So we'll see what show I go on next year, man. <laughs> Maybe I'll but it's like, one. yeah, yeah, dude. Like you would rip. You you're on YouTube too. I mean, you could probably do a little bit of repurposing. I know Layla Hormozy, who we were talking about. I noticed as I was binging her podcast while I was driving this weekend, as well as your some of the course material in, in your school community. I was doing both, but I was binging hers, and I noticed that she's like 25% of her podcasts are repurposed YouTube videos. Some of them are original content. Some of them are YouTube videos. Mm. But, and, and then the cool thing is like, she has the video, you know, Spotify, like you can watch the video on Spotify. So you can do that with hers too. So it's a pretty cool format. But anyway, we're here to talk about you today. Leo Moore, thank you for being here, my good man. I'm so excited to introduce you to... A minimum of a thousand people, man. I wanted to introduce you to my people and and just the world in general because I think that, and you've heard me say this before. You, I, I was going to say you're probably tired of hearing this, but you're definitely not. Uh, we were at the Client Ascension event. We were hanging out in London a couple of weekends ago. It's almost a month ago at this point, and I told a few people, I was like, "Yeah, Leo, this guy Leo Moore, he's the smartest guy in the room," including. The founders, you know, don't tell anyone I said that. <laughs> uh, but now the secret's out, you know. So I, I know no better way to introduce you than that. Uh, as far as your business goes, go to SofronSolutions.com. That is S-O-P-H-R-O-N. It's actually a pretty cool meaning behind that word that I've come to learn in the past week or two since becoming leo's fractional chief operating officer we were talking about that in the the general channel some of your people your salespeople were asking yep. but yeah man pleasure to have you thanks for being here yeah i appreciate the intro that's a that's a big that's a big intro so i've got to uh i've got to back it up here hopefully i can you know yeah sound, sem- sound you semi-coherent. You, you always bring the sauce <laughs> oh, we'll i'm see. not we'll worried see. about that I'm, yeah. I'm excited man i'm excited it's um it's a really good time to be in the space, I think, just based off like based off the space alone and, and how things are going at the moment. It's it's honestly better than ever. So I'm keen to chop it up. I'm always always keen to talk shop. Yeah, mate. Keen to talk shop. <laughs> so Australian. <laughs> uh, anyhow, how like let's start here. Generally, how would you describe yourself as a human being? How would I describe myself? That's a good question, actually. I took a test on this recently, like a personality test. And the best and, and shortest way is 
my dad is a surgeon and Same. my mum's a my mum's a florist. Hmm. And that that shows. And I think a lot of people that know me when I tell them that, they're like, yeah, like that actually does make a lot of sense. Um, because I've got a lot of mechanic, I've got a lot of mechanic traits, as in like builder, um creating things like systems, like improving processes, like all this stuff and getting really diligent and systematic and mathematic. But then I've also got this massive side of like a creative, like not, not necessarily like creative edge, like I'm into art that heavily or anything, but just a little bit of a, not a I don't want to say a streak because it's a little bit too much of a flex to say like, yeah, I've got a creative streak. Um, but I've got, you know, somewhat of a creative inclination um, that comes out and combines with uh, the surgeon, the mechanic side of me as well. So if I was going to put it into like a little set of phrases, it's like my my dad's a surgeon, my mum's a, a florist, and it, and it shows. That's pretty cool. It's it's actually a. really convenient. It's a really convenient like it's convenient that they're just there. Like yeah, that's kind of the situation. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, growing up, then, what was your life like? What was your upbringing like? My upbringing was um, it was. And you're, no. and you're still growing up, man. You're only 20 years old. Let me highlight yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's continually going well. It's continually yeah. going well. Look at the growing up process. Um, I'll let you know when I finish. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it was- Man, what are, you, what are you going to be when you grow up, bro? What you, <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know. Kidding. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'll find out. Maybe a footy player or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So, growing up, it was pretty com- fairly comfortable a lot of the time. Like, we were never really under pressure financially. Um, too difficult too difficult like it was obviously you have like you have your your troubles as a kid just like kid stuff but generally like in terms of macro i think i had an absolutely perfect childhood where i had you know the perfect mix of comfort and discomfort and growth i think i was really Mm. fortunate to to be able to say that where i was under pressure but not really enough pressure that i would ever break or have any 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 crazy events or anything like that um, but it yeah. did help me grow and accelerate really quickly. Um, and that was just, a, maybe it was an ego thing, but I always just wanted to be the best. I wanted to be excellent. I always wanted to get straight A's, play in the first, uh, the first squad or the first team or the, the A team, whatever it may be. I always wanted to figure out like, how can I contribute to the community as well? How can I be in leadership positions at school or whatever it is, or try and just like reach the top of all the games that I was playing. Uh, and I'm not sure if, I'm not sure what the reason for that was. It was just kind of how the cookie crumbled. Um, yeah. And then included with all the sort of great mix of stress and comfort, I think I, that, that's mm. why I think I literally just could not have asked for any more from the relationships and, and teachers that I was able to have and mentors and stuff like that. Because, um, yeah, I feel like not many people can say they, they entered adulthood feeling really equipped, but I, f- I felt really growing up, like absolutely loved it, like super equipped. It's so now, important like, yeah. underscoring that that balance of comfort and discomfort because yep. a lot of times it's, you know, an extreme in, in comfort, you know, some kids, they come into the real world, myself included. I'm talking about myself here, FYI, <laughs> little hint. Uh, they come into the world and they've never really done anything that's hard. They've never really been challenged because their, their problems kind of got solved for them. And, and they, you know, you, people like me come into the world at like a, you know, at the adult world, kind of at that disadvantage, right? Um, but now I, I've I've taken that and I've, you know, there's no excuse for like 
it's it's a real loser type thing to point to your upbringing and say that's why I'm not successful. You know, like that that's no excuse at all whatsoever. So, um, but that's really cool, man. That you had that good balance and you were able to solve challenges and and do that, man. But anyway, moving on, how would you describe then what you do? What do you do in your business? That's a great question. Um, essentially, it's like a like a, I put the mechanism on a fractional CRO, but really, it's 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 basically just focusing on growth. Um, and my thesis for growth is currently sort of asset based selling. So you see a lot of people figured out a lot of the tactics, a lot of the a lot of the LinkedIn connection request automations, a lot of the cold email automations. All that, a lot of that stuff I see has been figured out. Um, so naturally, based on uh, Eugene Swatch's market sophistication theory, I just saw if you are going to continue to sell and you're to continue to be active in a marketplace, you really need to get closer at identifying with the prospect. Uh, and just based on the trends of 2023 and where things are going in terms of digitization and video and YouTube and um, and assets and stuff like that and, and using all the tech that we have available, it's basically just leveraging that with direct response copywriting and sales acumen to just grow, just grow B2B companies. That's kind of like... Yeah. It's, pre- it's pretty complex, but really it's just growing with assets, like sales assets yeah. um, and sales processes and stuff like that. It's fun. <laughs> now, I can tell you're having fun. It's quite evident to me. How would you describe Leo to a 65, 70-year-old, maybe a grandparent in one sentence? How would you describe to them what you do? To a 65-year-old, it's like... um. Did you ever watch on the news where they were promoting some type of product and there was a guy that was kind of sleazy and it'd be it'd be on an ad and he'd be promoting like a like a blender or a supplement or something that's mm-hmm. going to absolutely change your life? It's basically like leveraging that uh, in 2023, but to businesses. That's probably the, I don't even know if old people would understand or 65 year olds would understand that mechanism, but like that's probably the closest I can get to be honest. It kind of it's kind yeah. of a very niche thing and it's um, it's a little bit like if you know, you know. Um, totally. It's it's challenging. That question's very challenging, no matter what business you have, I feel like in the in the digital space. It's very challenging to describe to yeah. <laughs> to grandparents and to people of that age. Yeah, yeah. So your thesis, you kind of touch on it here, which is this sea of clones thing. Where did you come up with that? It was it was pretty much just by looking in the market and being like I would be on calls and all I would ever hear is how are you different? And everyone would always say like, oh, yeah, like, I've got 10, 10 of these emails today or I've got you know 30 of these emails or I see this type of video all the time. Like it's the same thing that I've seen. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, they're actually quite correct. They're correct. There's agencies, B2B companies, like everything has been, like a lot of the stuff's been done. So the only way to out position people is not only at the marketing level with the assets but to really identify with them closely in terms of the products and the offers that you direct to them because a lot of people think an offer is just a headline that you have on your website especially in the internet marketing space or, or the, the offer is just like the one sentence thing that Hormozy said but in reality the product is the offer the offer is this is what we're going to do to get x result so to manipulate that at the product level then lets you allow like it basically allows you to have superior marketing because you have a better product so the product basically fuels the marketing and the sales 
and they all sort of integrate with each other. And I learned that from uh, I learned that from Nick Cosman, where it's like you have the product, the marketing, and the sales all very much integrated and fueling each other, and that's how you can kind of sell yourself into product market fit. Uh, it's honestly when I learned that from from Cosman. That was one of the most remarkable things like I'd ever I'd ever even seen. Like it was crazy. Mm. When I when I, when I learned that from him, I was like, holy moly, like that's completely crazy. Because it makes so much sense and it just works if you apply it in the current like marketplace. When I think of CF clones, like um, I think of Twitter and you know, people posting cold email strategies and stuff like that. And you know, whether it actually works or not. Now everyone's going to start doing it. And then even so, if it does work now, it's no longer going to work because now everyone's doing it. Like by the time that you're hearing about it Mm. on Twitter or LinkedIn or YouTube, like it's kind of too late in most cases. Like, is there anything that you listen to and actually take note of on these platforms? Uh, the short answer is pretty much no, because I feel like if I'm, if I want to be like the the thought leader, I can only really get the data from the market itself that I'm trying to sell into. Because if I'm getting secondhand data, it's like I learned that in, in history class in school. The primary source is superior to the secondary source because it becomes a kind of Chinese whispers where you're if you listen to your competitors all the time, you're trying to copy them all the time which became really popular with funnel hacking, which I think has its place still, but the primary source is the customer uh, and the marketplace that you're trying to sell into. So if you can if you can manage to get that data directly from the source, directly from the horse's mouth, yeah, it's going to be more accurate than the data that you get from your competitor's marketing assets or your competitor's procs or stuff like that because your competitor is distilled at once and then when you get it, that means it's been distilled twice. So you have to just get as close as you can. To, to the accurate. Yeah. I'm curious to ask you this next question then banking off that, because I think that you're one of the, in our space right now, you're one of the most brilliant market positioning, product market fit guys, right? Like that's kind of your, your area. And if you really want to dumb it down, like marketing, you know, you're one of the, the premier marketing minds in our space. So how I know you're big into market research as you're kind of talking about here. Like, how do you go to the horse's mouth? How do, how do you do that? It's It's got to be sales, really. Like, it really, there's nothing else other than sales because when you're talking to the customer, a lot of the time they're going to tell you what they want. Like, you can just ask them. I mean, I think a lot of people make it really complicated trying to figure out, like, they're trying to do like mind tricks and stuff like that. But I think if you take a, a thousand sales calls, you're going to have a pretty good idea of what works and what doesn't work and what they want and what they don't want. Yeah. So if you can just aggregate data from the sales calls, that's why with all my clients, I always review all their sales calls, not even from a training perspective, although like obviously you want to help them get better at sales, but really because the sales calls are going to have the direct like syntax and the direct phrasing and messaging that you're going to need to go and put out in your marketing to attract more people that are ideal for you. Yeah. So with sales, like it really just becomes a question of how do you book calls? Um, sometimes like I've seen people offer AirPods to book a call because that's how valuable the data was going to be. So like the data really like you should be sacrificing a lot in order to get data. So like you should be giving a lot to the market in order to get the calls to get the data. Um, so because basically like you, just 
talk to the people. Yeah. But there's also like, if you look at an AI company, they get data by using the product and then their moat becomes the, the, the amount of user data that they have because they know exactly what they the, the user wants them to build. So mm. even at the high level of like AI, the, the stuff that they congregate from, like think about ChatGPT, like the stuff that ChatGPT has in its system now because it's gotten used so much, they know exactly what to build. Because it totally they get they get told from from yeah. the d- direct consumer, yeah. And highlighting for the listeners uh, a glossary term that we that you just glossed over there, uh, a moat. I assume that we are talking about the moat around someone's business that that different di- that not only differentiates them but prevents other people from really being able to even copy them. They've got a moat around their business that that kind of makes it not replicable for other people. Yep. Is yep. that the it's term we're talking about? Correct. Yeah, it's, it's essentially just protection from, from new entry um, because the thing is like now like moats are becoming more and more um, mm, like impregnable or more, more and more pregnable like because of the Pregnant? information that's available. Yeah, I, I don't want to say like they're becoming weaker. Modes are becoming weaker. That's a much oh. easier way of saying it. It's a much more less weird way of How saying come, it. How come, man? Um, just because of there's so much information available. Hmm. Like there's just totally. like if you want to learn, if you, oh, sorry, if you want to learn how to code a new piece of tech, like there's probably going to be a couple of people that can do that. So it's really like it becomes the first movie's advantage. It becomes the case studies, the social proof. It becomes the brand. It becomes all the stuff that happens below is really what becomes the moat. Yeah, that's what I'm mm. saying anyway. Mm. So how do you think about, Leon, and we've kind of touched on a lot of this already, but if you're an entrepreneur doing under ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 per month in the digital yep. space, you know, how do you think about, how would you suggest that they think about their offer? Unbiasedly. Because, yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, dude, that's a big one. That's a big one. Like there you get you get attached to like what you want to do and what you want to sell. And it's not really like what mm. the market wants. Exactly. Like and, and I think this uh, the perfect example of it is like people will look down on coaching programs and courses and stuff like that. But in reality, they only exist because it's what the marketplace wants. So there's kind of often a lot of people on the sidelines that'll say like, oh, like you're a course seller, you're a coaching program. Um, and as someone who doesn't sell either of those, you can objectively look at it and say, look, it wouldn't exist if it wasn't the, the specific thing that people really want to buy. So really the person who's selling whatever it is that's flying off the shelves is always the one that's you know a bit more clued in because they're understanding like, hey, maybe this style of offer is more in vogue right now than, you know, potentially another style of offer. Or this has more sales velocity than another type of offer. Um, and it can be hard to balance that with shiny object syndrome and stuff like that. But truthfully, the only way to think about offers is to think about what, what do people actually want? Why do they want it? And why would they potentially not want it? And to look at building your service the same way that a software would look at building their product, which is to get to get feedback from their customers and their potential customers and 
to basically find out like what is the real like where's where like the highest point of leverage in terms of how much value i can drive like where is that because if you figure out the exact point you can you can sell whatever you want yeah now in a lot of in a lot of industries today i mean you talk about you talk about it in your school course you talk about it on on twitter um which i guess is uh at leo x on twitter right uh lx more underscore lx more right so you talk about the five levels uh and you mentioned it at the beginning of this podcast as well which you didn't come up with but you know it better than like anybody that i know the five levels of market sophistication uh, and people can learn about the five levels of market sophistication probably online or even in your school course you talk about it very elegantly but the fifth level and I was listening to you yesterday or two days ago in your school course talking about identifying, you know, in that level of market sophistication, you have to, you have to be able to identify with the prospect, right? So like, yep. how do you, how do you actually tactically go about identifying with your prospect so that you can be successful in selling what you're trying to sell? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think most people will think that it's a brand. Like if you have a brand and they watch your YouTube videos and stuff like that, that's a great way of doing it. That's probably the easiest way of doing it is to have a have a personal brand. But if you can't have a personal brand, that's a different brand, level, right? Long, that's the same level because level five, oh. people normally say you have to have a brand. That's what like mm. kind of the, that's what people say typically like because they haven't like gone straight from the text. They've kind of got secondhand data, second, uh, secondary source. Um, but if you really like, if you read breakthrough advertising, it's like, no, you have to identify with the prospect. Um, so like you said, it becomes a question of how do you do that? Uh, and it's really by targeting their current state. So their state one. So for example, if someone, if someone's really craving bread, like they're craving a piece of toast and you say, Hey, do you want a piece of toast? And they haven't told you they want a piece of toast. You just tell them, do you want a piece of toast? You ask them, do you want a piece of toast? With no added context, they're going to be perked up. And he's like, oh my God, how'd you know that? Like you, you just offered me a piece of toast. Like that's perfect. Like it's my perfect solution for my specific situation in this random day on a Monday afternoon where I wanted a piece of toast. You asked me that and I reson- and it resonated with me. So that was their current state. So if you can do that on a, on a broader level and say, for example, someone wants more leads, but they don't want any regular leads and they don't want a high number of leads. They just want a specific low volume of high quality leads. If you can offer them that specifically rather than just leads and you can call out that they, look, I know you don't want a lot of leads. You just want a couple of really good ones. If you can call that out specifically, it's going to resonate much more. And it's just like the granular copywriting stuff that you can do to sort of stand out against the sea of clones. Mm-hmm. And that requires a lot of uh, hitting the pavement, as they say, in, in door-to-door sales, talking to the customers and just doing the hard work to like understand the problem that you're solving and what people are looking for you to solve. Is that a fair assessment or no? A hundred percent. That's yeah. really like if you're not on sales calls and you're not like accumulating data, it yeah. can be really difficult. So. I mean, if you have a sales team, you really have to like put a big focus on getting the information from the sales team to go and deploy that in the the marketing messaging and even deploy that on the product level as well. 
Well, look, Leo, it's a law of power, you know, that Robert Greene talks about in the 48 Laws of Power. It's don't isolate yourself. Don't build, you know, the, the same walls that you build in, on your around your castle to to protect you actually keeps valuable information out as well. Um, you know, it, it kind of, it, it detaches you from the truth and, and your people and, and the yep. word on the street, which is super important if you're trying to grow a business and make some real money in this space. Yep, exactly right. Like every single person that has bought from me has pretty much said, you just hit the nail on the head. You yeah, essentially you do. just, yeah, and that's, very powerful um, in terms of like being able to do that. Just it takes so many calories. So when someone says that, I'm like, oh, thank God! Like thank God! Like something I just made up is like resonating because it mm. does. It does take a lot of work on the on the calls and reviewing the calls and yeah, um, and doing the research. So yeah, yeah when yeah. it does happen, it, it it works like a works like crazy. Mm. Tactical question for you here, Leo. You talk about getting the right data out of sales calls. So, what data points? That's <laughs> such a funny shirt. It's a landscaping shirt. He, the landscaper is out there. <laughs> He's got a shirt that says, "We can please your wife." That's the <laughs> that's the landscape company shirt. That's I, good I copy. I, yeah, it's good copy. Yes. Um, there's a billboard like that around here too. But oh man, a good, another good one, totally off topic that I saw the other day was child support. $600 every month. Vasectomy, $600 one time. I was That's like, awful. dang. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, back to the tactical question here, my man. So like, what is there, are there any like data points you would recommend people jot down in their CRM? right? As it pertains to a particular lead or opportunity. Of course, you can go back and do the hard work afterwards and analyze the calls. But if you can just do the call and jot down, you know, a specific set of data points, that's obviously yeah. a lot more efficient than going back and watching a hundred calls. Yeah. So a really good place to start is just what, what they've tried. So what, what are the solutions that are currently getting offered in the market? What's the stuff that's working? What's the stuff they yeah. like? What's the stuff they don't like about what's going on in the market? And you just ask them like, it's pretty straightforward. You just ask them like, what, like, what have you tried that's worked? Why do you think that worked? Why do you think it didn't work? What's your suspicion about that? Um, that sort of stuff. Like, where do you think the market's going is a really good one as well. Uh, and really just getting their rationale behind what their, what their suspicions are and what their roadblocks yeah. are as well. Because then if you can provide something that sort of is based on that information and it really like sort of goes alongside their beliefs and you can be base a product off that everyone everyone sort of wants to be right like they're going to like you if you completely confirm their beliefs this is like a yeah. it's a one one sentence persuasion course it's probably the best thing ever um for my copy is just knowing how to you know confirm beliefs uh, confirm suspicions um allay fears and and stuff like that i can't i can't remember the exact sentence um, off the top of my head but if you look up one sentence persuasion course it's going to take you through it um, and you can build a lot of rapport just by learning that stuff fears dreams desires roadblocks frustrations this stuff that's what you need yeah well hearing that speaking of confirming your beliefs that's very good validation for me because i've got a set of questions on uh our our calendly booking form on the website at zusos.co because i'm not going to tell 
listeners the questions here because I don't want them to copy it. They can go look at the calendar on the website if they'd like, though, uh, and see the questions because it, it basically before they even before a prospect even comes to a meeting with me, I have the answers to at least some of those questions. Uh, that you're talking about right here. Uh, I'll talk to you about them later. I think you'll really like what I have on my calendar. But anyway, man, I do want to wrap up here in the next five minutes. The one thing, there's two more things I want to talk about. I guess really three, but trends, because you have such an eye for for trends, what's coming around the corner, what, what's the next big thing, what's not working anymore. I don't want you to point out really like what's, what's coming up around the corner because then everyone's going to kind of flock to it. (laughs) Um, But what are some things that people are doing in our space right now that they think is still working, but they're actually not working? Yeah, that's an interesting point because the thing that's not working is, is copycatting. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing that's not working because what I've seen honestly is especially when you're so close to the market and you're, you have that creative edge where you just make stuff up and put it out in the market and, and it works. It's very frequent that people will, you know, pick up on, you know, a couple of things that you say and then, and then you know, redeploy that or repurpose it. Um, and I think honestly, long-term, there could not be a worse thing to do than copy-paste someone's, yeah. you know, someone's IP, someone's business model, someone's thesis, yeah. someone's um, ideas and play them off as their own simply because over a long enough time span, there's going to be one, there might be one or two people in the market that have seen like, oh, you've taken that from that guy. And if you sort of are sleazy about that and you don't pay homage, mm. it's, it's kind of, you can lose a lot of rapport and it's probably, I don't know, sometimes it, you might lose less rapport than the amount of rapport you build by taking someone's ideas and stuff like that. But yeah. me personally, if I see someone's, you know, repurpose stuff and they haven't, you know, given, you know, direct like, hey, this was really good. I learned this from that person. And I did it early in the school with with Cosman because he's a big one that people do that to. Um, that's something I not necessarily look down upon, but it's it's really difficult to see that and think that's a great idea. You know, mm-hmm. I, I sort of see that a lot these days, um, specifically on Twitter because yes. that's kind of, it's kind of, I don't know, it's like a trend. Yes. And, I've, you know, it's kind of increasing in, in relevance. Um, yeah, if I was someone... If I was talking to someone that was sort of just getting started, I would say, look, go and get your own data and make your own stuff. Like, yeah, take inspiration, do it like there's proven stuff out there, use it and then build your own stuff off it and that's going to be where you make your most um, money, you're going to make the most value is when you see what's in the market and make it better because that's like, that's the name of the game. That's innovation. That's entrepreneurship. That's like what it all is to me. Um, and maybe I'm just sort of a bit touchy about it recently um, because of like what's happened recently in the market. But uh, that's kind of front of mind for me. So that's kind of what comes comes to mind yeah. here. Well, this leads perfectly into the next topic of conversation, which is like, what's the solution to that? And you kind of said it there, which is to basically get creative. Now, I wanted to ask you this question. Uh, I've been excited to because you're a very creative individual. I've seen your work, very creative, like off the charts. What is your process for getting creative, so to say, if there is such a process? How do you do that? It's kind of tough. It's kind of tough because 
I mean, I mean, you know this because you've seen under the under the hood of of my business and stuff like that. But it's very difficult to to turn it into a process and tr- try and train someone to do the same mm-hmm. stuff that I do because I I'm in the process of distilling it down to like, hey, if you want to do this, just do this. It's like kind of tough because I kind of just make a lot of the stuff that I like. I kind of just make it all up, to be honest. Um, and I'm I'm pretty transparent about that. Like a lot of my, the ideas and theses that I have, like. I just look in the market like what's going on and then I just make it up and then it either works or it doesn't work and I take that as feedback to my strategy. If it doesn't work, it's like, okay, I'm just going to do it again and do it better or try to do it better and then over time, if you just never stop, my kind of idea is that if I just don't stop doing it, like I'm going to be, I'm going to test enough stuff that it's going to work at some point Um, and whether that's an access channel, whether that's an offer, whether that's a niche, whether that's some, whether it's just a set of ideas, if it's working and it's generating value in the marketplace, it's like, yeah, that's a good thing. If not, then it's like, okay, maybe that was a less good thing or maybe it was a bad thing. Um, I'm very uh, unattached to the ideas just because I think it's better that way. Um, Yeah, sorry. Sorry if that's probably a bad answer about how to do it, but I'll figure out one day. Honest, I, I think it's honestly a deficiency of mine that I haven't been able to make it a process yet, um, and I'll work on that. Maybe I'll come back next time and uh, and I'll have I'll have the process down. Yeah. Any routines that that kind of actions that usually precede getting into flow? Like, for example, I always sit down in this one chair, or I have a cup of coffee. Is there any like rituals like that? It's interesting because. If I'm feeling clogged, I'll just go for a walk. Yeah. Every Saturday morning when I'm in my routine, I'll go to the gym, I'll do cardio, and then I'll get in the sauna, and then I'll have a cold shower, and that, and then I'll go get a smoothie from a specific place. Um, and that process takes like three hours. Like I really stretch out like a big gym session, big cardio session, big sauna session. That was loud. Um, a big sauna session, and then a big – like not not that big of a cold shower because it's obviously pretty excruciating. Um, after a sauna, like you kind of get zapped a little bit, but that kind of that's like a defibrillator for your body and your and your mind, oh, yeah. like your hormones, yeah, and like testosterone, it's like zaps you. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, after that, I in that process, I often have a lot of good ideas. Um, but in saying that, I do have a lot of good ideas just randomly. Like I, the probably the best angle that I've come up with in the last six months actually came to me in a dream, which is pretty random. Like a, like I yeah. just like I just thought of it overnight mm-hmm. and then i was like oh my god like that's gonna work and then i tested and i was like yeah this works really well um it was mm-hmm. actually for one of my clients but yeah there's just it's just infinite like yeah. it's all it's what really about, hard to distill probably the saturday about, morning thing what about screen habits because I, I feel like it's hard to continually regularly on a daily basis have ideas if you're looking at a screen every hour every second of the day I mean, what are your phone habits like? I mean, obviously, you know, you can only do so much about working from a laptop. I mean, you're that's what you're doing. You're living out yep. in Italy right now and, you know, you're doing work on your laptop. That's where work happens. But outside of that, are your phone, like, are your phone habits good or, or like what's that? I'm, like? uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty entrenched in like the metaverse. Like I'll be on my laptop, phone, everything. Like it's very mm. rare that I will not be working. Wow. Um, yeah, I agree. It does halt the creative side a lot, but in the phase that I'm in now, it's very much like a build build phase. It's a bit less creative. 
sometimes that does stunt the creative process a little bit, but I find I can tap in pretty well if I just go for a walk or I go to a new place or something like that. I can kind of defibrillate myself when it's necessary, um, but it's definitely calculated to like I'm very aware of like how much should I be working? Should I you know take a step back and at times potentially to a knee-jerk reaction where it's like, shit, I need to go over here, I need to do this. And it's like almost like a neurotic process. But I think, yeah, it depends on the phase you're in. So if, I think if you're if you're really looking for inspiration and stuff like that, like, yeah, get off the screen, go outside, walk in nature, stuff like that, really helpful. But at the same time, if you need to like build and you need to train people and you need to make culture and stuff like that, like you need to be on the phone, you need to be on Zoom, you need to be in your Slack, you need to be um, in Google Docs, like you, you know, just go to your room and sit there and don't leave yeah. until it's fixed is like my mindset. Mm-hmm. Well, Leo, man, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a nice free flowing conversation. Where we hit just about everything I wanted to hit. My final question for you though, is at this point in your life, you're hanging out in a, in a cafe in Italy, you're 20 years old and you know, you're doing pretty well in business. What are your one or two beliefs or golden rules that you have about business and or life right now? Great question. So two, two beliefs that I have about business or life. Damn, that's kind of, that's whole to me. That's, that's no stopped me riding my tracks. Um, about life, number one, I would say, I think you get what you want a lot of the time or you get what you, you need a lot of the time. So a lot of the time, if I feel too much resistance, I'll really, really assess like, what do I want here? Like, what's the goal here? Um, and like reground myself to like the North North Star. Like, okay, like what am I doing here? Like, what's Like, what's the point of this? And if you're feeling stuck and I redefine that, a lot of the time I can find the direction by like reverse engineering based off the North Star. A lot of the times it's just like you have to define the North Star really honestly and really clearly about like what are you trying to actually do. So a lot of times I get a lot of value out of that. So number one would be you get what you want. Um, number two, damn, it's that's tough. I don't even, I don't even know. There's, there's so many. It's hard to make it true. I would want to have, you know, I, I want to write a, an anthology about my beliefs on life. Like I'm going to write a book or something. Mm. Um, at you some basically point, write a book every month in terms of the amount of words that you write. So yeah, I like, can imagine uh, a really good yeah, book coming from you in the future. <laughs> I'm going to have to spit one out at some point for sure. I'm, I'll, yeah. I'll do a, you know, I'll do a memoir or something like that. Probably be pretty Dude, boring. It's going to be. It's going to be such a, a badass book just with your your copywriting ability. Just a pleasure to read and a pleasure to be here with you today. At LXMore underscore on Twitter. Leo Moore is there as well as SoftRunSolutions.com. You can learn more about his business and inquire there. Leo, you are the man. Thank you very much for being here. Appreciate the time, man. Thanks for having me on. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of Building Freedom. My only hope for this podcast, my aim is that this inspires you to build a freer, fuller life, one where you're not enslaved by a business, whether that be your business or any other business, whether you're a business owner or self-employed. The aim of this show is to help you build a freer, fuller life. And there are many ways to do that 
And that's what we showcase on this show each week. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, be well.